Amen. And Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to open it to us. Apply it directly to the place that you want it in our hearts. Thank you for giving your word and yourself to us. Amen. So we're continuing our year for healing community, but um, not, um, not continuing in Acts. I thought I'd do something for Christmas. Um, so what's your favorite Christmas carol? Anybody got a, or, or a song? Come on, you faithful, holy night. What was that? Silent night. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Joy to the world. O come, O come, Emmanuel. The Huron Carol, all right. So, what do you think is the first Christmas carol? Uh, first Christmas carol written down. Take a guess. What was that? Okay, plain chant. When was it written down? You know? Do you know when? It was written down early medieval. Okay, early medieval times. Somebody else? Yeah. Mary's song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Mary's song is probably the probably the earliest, but I don't think it's the earliest written down. You you got? I think Mary's song's probably got to be the earliest. But yeah. What's that? Isaiah? Well, we all call it, you know, Isaiah. You're, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's getting back there, all right. Um, maybe that's earliest. Anyways, um, here's what I think might be the earliest Christmas carol written down. Um, Philippians 2. Paul is writing this, this uh, book to the Philippians. He's in jail, and he's suffering, and he's trying to tell them, and they're also suffering from um, opposition and persecution, and he He's, he switches into singing um, in the middle of his, his point, and he, he says this, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we have been talking about carving out space, talking about hospitality. And this scripture talks about Jesus emptying himself, carving out space. And, you know, I think that hospitality is a wonderful gift, as we've discovered when we couldn't do it, especially last Christmas very well, right? Um, wonderful gift. It also has some challenges. Anybody ever have challenges with hospitality? Um, there's some emptying out of the fridge, of the beds, of the whatever, to, to make space for someone else. Um, and then there's, a, there's an even further kind of hospitality when you, when you not only welcome people into your home, maybe into your beds, but you let them start rearranging the furniture and uh, moving in. And, and some of you have had that happen, uh, like kids arrived or a spouse arrived or a roommate arrived and they started 
kind of getting in your space. Um, but when you wel welcome somebody to really do things their way in your space, that is a, a, a bigger kind of hospitality. I think an even bigger kind of hospitality is when you go to someone else's place, not to rearrange their furniture, <laughs> but to submit to their way of doing things, learn their language, learn their culture, learn their way of doing it, and, and, and even more need help from them to learn all of those things, to do all those things. That's, that's a, a greater form of hospitality. Some of you have done that in coming to us. Um, it's kind of funny as Americans when we welcome immigrants or missionaries, we, we, we think we're doing them a great service that, that we sort of made space at the table, but we didn't learn their language usually. We didn't do all the things that have totally up, uprooted their lives. But Jesus was an immigrant. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Jesus tabernacled among us. Um, Philippians, I'm gonna, this is, that was English Standard. This is uh, New Living Translation, puts it this way. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Does anybody have any things they cling to? Instead, he gave up, emptied himself. He gave up his divine privileges, and it goes on to say how. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So this is what Christmas is all about, is Jesus emptying himself, his hospitality, his coming to us in an amazing way. I don't think we often really meditate on the one who knows everything coming to a place where he had to learn to walk and talk and not poop his pants. He had to learn that. To be that vulnerable. To be helpless as a baby. I mean, those of you who have moved into another culture know the feeling of going back to being a baby. Most of us start as baby and do everything we can to fill ourselves up, <laughs> to, to learn things and do things and become somebody. And he went the totally opposite direction and went from far beyond what we could ever become to be a baby. And he humbled himself, not just to be a human, but a slave. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve, to be a slave, and to give myself as a ransom for many. So he humbled himself. He emptied himself for the sake of us. Now, we often talk about making room for Jesus in our lives, and I think that's part of what our question is this, this week. But he made room for us by emptying himself. That is so profound. And I think it'd be great if Paul had just left it as this wonderful thought about how Jesus humbled himself. But Paul, like he typically does, gives this great theology, and then he makes it practical. And he, he, he tells us 
how we could, should be like Jesus and follow in his footsteps. Now, um, the being God part sounds good to me, following in his footsteps, but the emptying. So Paul makes it very practical. I'm going to back way up a bit um, before this. Start in Philippians 1. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So we talked last time about sharing the good news about Christ. One of the ways we do that is conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. So the enemies for them were very practical people who were persecuting them. Also, powers and principalities that were against them and against the church. And I want you to know that they're fighting together for the faith, fighting together for the good news. Um, did you know that there are powers and principalities at work? Did you know that um, they come to kill and steal and destroy? That COVID and other things come from the enemy? But sometimes I feel like for example, with all the things that have come at us in the pandemic, it feels like we're in trench warfare and there's explosions happening here and there. We can't see the enemy. We can't see this virus. We can't see the powers and principalities. So mostly we end up getting on each other, fighting with each other about how you're not doing things the way you should be doing in this war. Well, he says we're supposed to be fighting together for the faith, for the good news, and against the enemies, even if we can't see them. How do we do that? Um, where you've not been given only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but all the privilege of suffering for him. We're in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past. You know that I'm still in the midst of it. Paul is in prison because of believing and speaking about the good news, sharing the good news of Jesus. Okay? Um, and then he goes on. He says, this is chapter 2, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? You guys have any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Okay. Any comfort from his love? Okay. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Uh, okay. This is, these are meant to be rhetorical questions. Like, yes, of course. We have all those things in Christ. Um, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Oh, that's harder to do. I mean, I can agree wholeheartedly with people who I never see, but agreeing wholeheartedly with people who I see in my church and my family and my kids and my, you know, rearranging the furniture and putting up decorations, that's a whole different kind of agreeing wholeheartedly together. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Working together. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Sometimes we can do those things, but we're doing it to impress others, not as serving one another. Be humble. 
Did we hear that before? Something about Jesus being humble? Be humble. It's not easy to be humble. I don't find it easy to be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. That's, that's even harder, because they're not better than me. Actually, I'm a little better than them, usually. Usually, I know a little more. I'm probably a little bit more, you know, follow, do things right. Don't we mostly feel that way? If you look at surveys, 90% of people think they're a better than average driver. 90% of people think they know more about whatever than most people. Isn't that true? But Paul's saying, consider others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That seems simple, right? But when it comes right down to the serial and the whatever, it's hard to look out for others' interests and not just my own, even equally. Now, it's not necessarily that you make their interests higher than yours, but at least equal with yours. You must have the same attitude that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus had. And then he goes right back to this. Though he was God, or we're going back because we're doing it backwards. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Humbling. It's not easy to be as humble as God. <laughs> it's not easy to be as humble as Jesus was. Right? Now at the end of that passage, Paul goes on and gives more stuff. He says, Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I got no problem obeying God. It's just other people's instructions I sometimes have difficulty with. Right? Well, it is obeying God. <laughs> but sometimes it says our hearts are, are deceptive, right? And we think we're obeying, but we're really... So one of the... Uh, there's a book called, by Earl Jabe called The Kingdom of Self. And he says, um, most of us want to be king. Ever since we're two and realize we're separate, we want to be in charge. We want to be king. We want other people to serve us. And what happens is we end up slaves. Whether it's to work or sex or something, we, when we try to be king. And then um, the only way out of that is to enter into the kingdom of God and let God be king. That sounds great, but practically you have to submit to real people like your boss and your spouse, and even serve your kids, right? You following me? That's where it gets tricky, is when, when you're actually, um, he says, obeying them with, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now that, that, is exciting. Because in me, it doesn't come naturally. Anybody notice it doesn't come naturally? Anybody have kids and notice they don't naturally just... Right? 
oh, sorry, your kids maybe, but my kids um, don't naturally. But God's working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And then I highlighted this one, do everything without complaining and arguing. That's only children that have that problem, right? So that no one can criticize you. So when I was a certified nursing assistant working in a nursing home, um, it wasn't the residents complaining and arguing that bothered me. It was my fellow workers and myself. Because I got in, there was a lot of work. And you had to do it fast. And we were, you know, come on, get with it. Do it faster. Dress those people faster. Get, let's go, let's go. How many of you are... I know some of you are certified nursing assistants. Some of you have done other nursing jobs. Either now or raise your hands. Yep, a lot of work, right? I got a physical therapy assistant. It was a little bit better, but it's a lot of work. Um, but to be able to do that, that, that scripture was, <laughs> I was trying and trying to follow, just do everything without complaining or arguing. And it's easy to do that when, you know, Christmas morning, things are, maybe. Um, when things are great, but when things get hard, like they have been the last couple of years, doing everything without complaining or arguing is not easy um, for me. And it says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. So that people in the world see you not complaining and arguing. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So, now, by the way, when it says a world full of crooked and perverse people, we want to jump on that and say, yeah, those people, I noticed that about them. Of course, that's not exactly in keeping with this scripture, right? We're the point is not to point out how other people should be putting other people's interests or other people are criticized. No, no, no. <laughs> when you are living this way, you shine like a star in a dark night. Isn't it great that you can look up in the night and see stars? Wouldn't it be awful if there were no stars? But he is saying that our world is such that if there is somebody who is doing everything well, complaining and arguing, they, they shine. Just that little thing. Right? Somebody who's putting other people's interests above their own, just that little thing makes a huge difference. I, and, um, you know, I, I must, you know, I, I sometimes talk about my mom. My mom's in the nursing home. She's been there close to two years now, and she can't, she can't stand, she can't go to the bathroom, she can't do anything, and yet her attitude is amazing. And every time somebody comes in, does something for her, she, she thanks them and, and says, did you get a, a chocolate bar? You know, did you, um, and she, and it's noticeable, <laughs> you know? And having worked in a nursing home, I know that not everybody is that way. The workers, as well as the patients. Or the residents. So, if we could do any of these things, wouldn't it be amazing? 
But the problem is that we're normally full of ourselves, right? I'm so full of myself and my agenda and my stuff and my way I think things should go and what should get done around here that it's hard to do all those things we just talked about. It needs emptying myself, my agenda, my way of doing things so that I could shine with Jesus' light. Anybody convicted yet? Or is it just me? I don't know. This, um, but this is the result. Therefore, God elevated him, elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Kurias, is Yahweh, is God. To the glory of God the Father. So he was honored for the glory of God. And so the only way up in an upside down kingdom is down. Only by becoming slaves do we get honor in this kingdom. Now that is backwards from the world, if you haven't noticed. Have you noticed that? But by emptying ourselves is how we move to fullness. Our world is divided, empty, displeasing. Anybody agree with me on that? Um, and I put that together a long time ago, just looking at Ephesians. Because Ephesians says that God has a secret plan to bring praise and pleasure to himself. Unity and fullness to restore unity and fullness. And his plan is Jesus and the church. We are his plan for unity and fullness. Jesus himself says God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So Jesus emptied himself and then was filled with the Holy Spirit and with God in bodily form. But he did it by emptying himself and learning how to walk and talk and be vulnerable and have to run away from have somebody carry him away from Herod. Um, and Ephesians is all about how a divided, empty world, displeasing to God, becomes United and full. So here's a little bit of Ephesians. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Sounds like what we just read. For you have been called by God. Always be humble. Always. And gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, it wouldn't be hard if we didn't have faults. Right? It wouldn't be hard to serve people who didn't have any faults. If we had people in this church who were really sanctified, who were really Christians, well, you know how the rest of that phrase usually goes. <laughs> um, we, you know, I worked at a Christian university. People often are saying, well, you know, this is a Christian university. Therefore, I really ought to be doing more. No, no, no. That's not how it goes. This is a Christian university. So how come? Right? You know, this is a church, so they ought to. 
You get your tires slashed out here, everybody's going to hear about it. You get your tires slashed at the bar, you're like, oh, man, this string of profanities, and you get another drink, right? Just the way the world is. But if it happens at church, if it's one of those Christians, oh, my. You get what I'm saying? But we need to make allowance for each other's faults. I have faults. And I know you've been making allowance for them. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He is filling it all. These are the gifts God's given to the church, some leadership, that their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. And, they, and the people should build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Jesus is filling the world now through his church. Showing off to the powers and principalities. And it says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 that my grace is sufficient for you for, for your po my power is made perfect in weakness. It's in our weakness, in our emptying, that we defeat the powers. In our humility. So now normally when the powers come against us, what do we do? We get powerful. We get bigger. We get... But Jesus defeated the powers by getting smaller and lower and humbler and deader. He went all the way down to criminal killed on a cross. And that's how he defeated the powers. Colossians 2.15 says, On the cross, their broken body, he defeated the powers. We're not going to defeat the powers that are coming against us by being stronger. We're going to do it by being weaker so we can be filled with God's power by humbling ourselves. So the down is the only way up in God's upside-down kingdom. Emptying yourself is the way to fullness. Not full of yourself, <laughs> but full of Jesus, full of love. Um, is it, and can it be that says he emptied himself of all but love? Um, so what might you need to empty out? Is there anything that you might need to carve out? Or maybe God is carving out and it hurts. Anything that you feel like God is working on you? These days? I won't give you my list, but I've got a list. <laughs> How might you pursue unity? In the church, in your family, with your neighbors? Over Christmas? Where might God be calling you to humility? And maturity. The unity, we can test our maturity by our unity. Um, so where might be God 
Or it might be that God is calling you to empty out, to be humble, to pursue unity. I don't have the answers for you. But could we take a minute uh, while the worship team is coming? Just ask the Holy Spirit that question. Lord, we come to you now. We come and we admit that we don't know so much. We don't even know ourselves. We need you to show us who we really are. We need you to show us what you want to empty out of us, what you want to carve out, how you want to remake us, how you want to fill us and lift us up so that we can be part of your honor, your glory. We want to let you honor us because we know that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need your grace. So we even invite you to humble us. Thank you that you are at work to enable us to do what pleases you. God, I confess that I need you to work in me. To humble me. To help me to empty out my ways, my ideas, my thoughts, my goals. God, would you come to us as you have come to us already. Help us to follow you in your example. To empty ourselves, humble ourselves, and let you fill us, let you honor us, and that God would be glorified. This Christmas time, even as we're experiencing and giving hospitality, may, may you do that in us. And may we shine as bright stars filled with your light. In Jesus' name, amen.